Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art podcast where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator. And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. Today we have a very special guest with us and it's one of our artists from our medical illustration studio, Angela Young. Mm. Angela is a very talented medical illustrator and 3D artist that joined our team earlier on this year. She obtained her master's degree in medical art at the University of Dundee and has since been working in the field of medical illustration. Angela, it's so great to have you on the podcast and I'm even more excited because you're the one that came to us with today's topic and you've spent time producing the content in preparation for today's show. So let's take it away. What are we talking about today, Angela? Oh, thank you, Emily and Annie for the lovely intro. So I feel it's such a nice opportunity for me to be on the broadcast. Today, I would like to like spend some time talking about what is it like to be working abroad because I'm originally from Hong Kong and I started mm. my life in the UK like two years ago as a medical art master student. Like, what Emily just like mentioned before. So um, I work as a medical illustrator right after graduation in another custom medical illustration studio in England. But I just recently moved back to the beautiful Scotland because I just joined Annie and also like Emily's company. I have to put a disclaimer here is that like I'm not going to go into like great details on like how to apply for like job visas or like which country is best in terms of like finding a medical artist job because I feel like this sort of information is outside of my expertise every country has their different like immigration regulations and also like trends and there's demand of biomedical communication skills so i'm sure that like our listeners they know perfectly how to go source like these informations themselves what I would like to share today was just like my experience or our experience when it comes to like preparing ourselves for the overseas job market because it feels that like we we just have like some tips and tricks we learned before and also like during the job searching. So does that sound like right to you both? Sounds really good, Angela. So let's get started. So Angela, I feel like working abroad is such a wonderful experience. You're immersed in a different culture, experiencing different ways to perceive things constantly. And for me, I'm originally from Scotland, but I studied my master's and got my first job in the USA, in America. And in total, I lived in America on some form of visa for about six years. And throughout all those experiences, I was approaching everything for the first time. I basically had to learn how to apply for a student visa. I had to learn what to do at immigration each time I left and entered the country. I had to learn what not to do at immigration. (laughs) (laughs) I also got to experience and what happens with a work visa and it was always a lot it was very very overwhelming but I'm kind of glad I did it because I, I learned so much but now I'm back in Scotland I'm quite happy here working in this company alongside you both I really am I couldn't be happier please don't leave <laughs> don't leave <laughs> um, but but Angela I can see so much of you going through similar experiences that I went through when I was a lot younger because you're currently in the UK on a work visa but you started off with a student visa so I want us to maybe explore that a little bit more so tell us a little bit more about that 
Yeah, sure. Like, I, I feel like super lucky to be here, like working in Scotland, because like you both and also like other colleagues of ours are so lovely. <laughs> so I'm so grateful. But anyway, so about Hong Kong, I think you have probably like heard about Hong Kong because we have like protests, like endless protests starting from mm-hmm. a year and a half. And it always like made into like global news headline before. Mm-hmm. And here's another fun fact is that like the British band Blur actually also like made and also got their inspiration of their latest album in Hong Kong too. So uh, yeah, I love my hometown a lot and I feel like it's a very magical place, but I feel like the opportunities for doing like medical artist job is quite scarce because Mm. there's no way that I can be like trained as a medical artist. So I just think at a time I should like seek out for like opportunities elsewhere. I just think that like Dundee is the right place for my medical art training at the time because I think that like the learning curriculum of the course is quite comprehensive and it's also like comparatively it's quite transferable to the workplace. Mm -hmm. I just came here with a student visa at first. So I feel like there's a good thing with doing with student visa is that it still remains like valid for several months or even like a whole full like whole year after like all classes are ended. Mm-hmm. It depends on like each country's regulations. Like maybe you just get lucky and you get a whole year. So uh, that buys you time after like graduation to stay in a country to find a job. I feel like it's very lucky that because I got my first job like right after when I hand in my master thesis because like I I got a job there already so my previous employer they just think that like they are definitely more than willing for like assisting me with switching of visas so I just get like a work visa like after a student visa and then I can stay in a country for longer. That's so interesting Angela and it's great to hear that you managed to get a job in the field even before you graduated or before you even got your grades. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I think you should be uh, very proud of that. Well done. Well done. Well (laughs) done. done. I'm also a graduate of the Dundee program and went straight into employment from an internship I had at the university's medical school. So I think that's a good testament to the medical art program there. So it's obviously worked for you doing your research beforehand and like really like seeing exactly what each course has to offer and making your decision from there. Mm -hmm. Apart from the academic training, did you learn anything from your time in Dundee that helped you into just settling in to like everyday life in the UK? So yeah, because like I was first just born and also raised in other side of the world, like in Asia. So it's quite inevitable that I have like a cultural barrier ahead of me for me to overcome. I myself is very interested in like British culture in my teenage years and still now. But I feel like crossing the barrier itself can't simply be solved with just watching more British television, (laughs) music, or even like movies. Because for example, like watching train spotting is not going to help with (laughs) me working in Scotland. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't turn up to a job and (laughs) speak like that. (laughs) So anyways, I feel like I have to interact with people here like more and more to be more comfortable around and also like gradually recognize like a foreign land like Scotland as my second home. I think a good thing is like uh, the fact that I decided to work in the same country where I decided to do my studies make this task like the cultural barrier thing like the overcoming of it it's much easier because being a student means that you have more free time like interacting with local people and recognizing the part in yourself where you could do like better to fit in. 
I would say like that I really still am a quite like introverted, like Asian person who is not very used to like raising my original ideas or even like doing small talks. And I realized like this part of me and I knew that like it might be like some, it will be hindering me in the later stage when I was still a student. So I pushed myself to be more out there, to be out of my comfort zone. I would just try to like interact with people more. At first, like the small talks are just like horrendous and also like awkward. <laughs> like <laughs> definitely like my my classmates, like if they like hear about like this episode, they can definitely still remember. So <laughs> they, they might recall like those like moments of mine, which is really embarrassing. But, oh. but like, <laughs> but with time passes, I just slowly get more familiar with the country. It means that like I have a better idea of like how to live a life here like how to cooperate with people here, how to stay like friendly, but also in a professional way in a workplace, this kind of thing. I feel like Asian just have a very different interpretations towards like work ethics and also etiquettes as like you can all guess mm -hmm. so i feel like there are a lot of like pre-existing thoughts that i have to like tear down in order like towards like what i have like towards work so i can make rooms for some new ideas i feel like cultural differences like this everyone can overcome after they stay abroad for like long enough it's just that like it probably needs a lot of determination to step out of your comfort zone and i feel like if you're very fond of the place you will be very willing to do all the adjustments and at least that's how I feel. But I think for Angela, for you to feel more at ease, uh, you don't have to withdraw all of your characteristics, right? And the way of thoughts you learn from your home country to make yourself home elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like fitting in requires any form of cultural assimilation necessarily because from a company owner standpoint, I think it's good to have people from different cultures working together. Mm -hmm. It's easier for new original ideas to emerge because there's going to be a mix of people on the team who see things in a different perspective. And also taking your experience and where you're from as an example, you can speak three different languages. Uh, and your experience living in Asia constructs your insights towards the Asian culture and the market there. And we're probably not at that scale yet to have that many clients from East Asia, but you never know, right? And at some point it will come in handy and you will know what works, what doesn't work in terms of advertising in that market. Yeah, I feel like this is such a nice thing to hear because I, I feel like it's good to know that like our experience, like living elsewhere is it's valuable like here. Mm -hmm. Well, anyways, I, I hope this is not too off topic, but I would like to talk about like uh, language proficiency when we are just on this topic about like cultural differences and such. Mm -hmm. I would just take like English as an example because I'm here like in Scotland so we all speak English so I feel like uh, students who are not using English as their mother tongue probably they have all attended an English proficiency test if they would like to study abroad in an English speaking country mm -hmm. so I feel like theoretically this uh, reflects that all students like studying here probably they can all use English like eloquently in studies already so I feel like if you have already passed the test and you can perfectly like understand and also like speak to your teachers like your lecturers and your classmates I feel like it's perfectly fine like you don't have to worry that your English is not perfect enough or if you just have an accent embrace it however I feel like uh, language is not only important in terms of like conducting professional conversations with teammates and also clients I feel like it's also important for like making casual conversations and knowing more about other people and also the society you 
you are living in. I would say instead of just focusing your effort in mastering a language, making sure you have no accent, you speak like perfect grammar and things like that, just focus on also like learning more about the new culture. I feel like life will be easier if you can blend into the work environment and you feel comfortable around the people you are working together with. So, uh, and again, I feel like if you are very fond of the place, you probably will be very willing to like learn all the new things. You probably you don't even see them as like adjustments. Absolutely, and I agree that there doesn't need to be too much of a focus on being like grammatically precise every single time you speak to your work colleagues. I that would be <laughs> absolutely exhausting. <laughs> I understand that this actually might be a reason for people having like that added anxiety or thinking when they come to thinking about working in another country. I know personally, I'm dreadful at learning other languages, and I do not have a clue how you do it. And I think my barrier for that is probably just like the fear of getting it wrong and sounding stupid. So I think it's just all there's just a block in my mind for it. <laughs> but I guess from my perspective, which is just a Scottish person living in Scotland, speaking English, <laughs> I haven't been very adventurous in my life. There genuinely isn't any judgment of someone else's grammar, especially when like English isn't your first language. You can speak multiple languages. I think mm-hmm. if I'm having a conversation with you, I'm just impressed. <laughs> I'm not going like, oh, she didn't say that correctly. I'm like, like genuinely just like, good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really impressive. Yeah, definitely. From the perspective of an employer as well, the main area we would look for good communication skills is really just when you're maybe doing some client facing stuff like writing to clients and emails. A tip for this is that you may actually want to create your own email templates for things like client deliveries. And you can always ask colleagues to have a look over them, to check for grammar, or even sometimes you could just look at how a colleague's maybe sent something off and just kind of like take notes and be like, oh, they phrased it in this way. Maybe that'd be a better way for me to do it. To yeah. do it. Sometimes like employers themselves have email templates for client communications because they just want consistency, want everything to come off very clear and professional to clients. And reasons your employer might already have templates is just really to save time and production rather than you having to write out an email every time. It can just fill in the gaps, boom, send it out. Another thing that I think always works really well, Angela, is that you always ask for clarification if you're not sure of something we've said yes. and or if sometimes our instructions haven't been very clear and it's just great. I think that's probably the most important part is just being able to just communicate clearly and convey messages. And as long as you can do that, it really doesn't matter if every single thing you're saying is worded correctly because it's all about the message getting across. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Whenever you reach out and goes, Annie, I'm not so clear on this. Can you just explain it to me? Mm-hmm. And that just saves so much time down the line of someone assuming something that might be incorrect Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that. Apart from learning more about the local culture here and familiarizing yourself with how things work in British society, do you feel there are other things students can do to prepare themselves for the future job hunt? Yeah, like now talking about that, I just now have a very like fit fit like mental image of like the place where I met like Emily and also Annie, like you both like in person for the Mm -hmm. first time because like it was the Sayat Now meeting and which was held in like Edinburgh the year when I was still studying. And I just remembered because like I learned so much like and met so many like lovely people, including you two. And I just had this all. (laughs) And I just, (laughs) yeah, I just, I just had this like, 
strange because at the time I was still studying, so I'm, I'm very unsure of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. after that, I just had this like strange confidence just rushing in me, just telling me, "Oh, you're going to be okay. Like <laughs> you work here, like you will find a job, like things like that." So I feel like participating in like activities and also like getting in communities can definitely like expand your social circle to a new range of people, and especially to the people who are working in the same field as you do because you don't know maybe at some point you can start projects together get job referrals or recommendations to clients or even like now like meet them again at work <laughs> like how I am oh, now <laughs> so uh, I feel like connecting with people is a very spontaneous thing to me you just can't really guarantee like it can bring you any form of benefits at first, but it might at some point, even without mm-hmm. you realizing. And I feel like it's only when I start working here, I start to realize the power of spontaneity. It's like what uh, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs says, and this is one of my life motto now. And here I'm quoting. You can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. I feel like just stuck at home and also like settle at a very limited social circle are not going to help you with making any new dots in life. So I feel like it's very important to just try to make as much when you're still studying. And when you look back, you will realize that how much it helps you like when it comes to like getting through life. It's such a great way to look at things, Angela. And I haven't heard that quote before, but I'm definitely going to remember it. I think it's something that I think maybe been like something in the back of my head, like, oh, I'm going to do this for no reason or like I just like feel like doing it and it's just like just keep doing things and keep actively like doing certain projects or like connecting with like different people just always being friendly just having chat with people and it's like all these things down the line it's the reason where you are today and I think I like the way you think about that as well so I also remember the time that we met at the Sire Now meetup going along to things like this is not an easy thing to do especially as you describe yourself as an introvert and I think (laughs) (laughs) we were hosting and we were like, why are we doing this? We're, we're introverts. We'll just go hang out, right? And I think networking, which can be a really yucky word, and it's it's what it is, but it just always makes me go, Ugh. it's just one of those things that is really valuable and you can't be too forced with it to be successful at it. You need to be going to events because you're genuinely interested in the people attending and what they have to say and also to go and meet like-minded people, of course. And it's not just a case of, oh, I need to go and do this because I feel I have to and yeah. I might meet this person person and I might be able to impress them. Mm -hmm. It's not just about making a good impression by just turning up and being polite or by being super confident and like handing out your business cards and like Mm. selling yourself. (laughs) It's more about, I know, it's it's also about like having like meaningful conversations with people and like asking really good questions and conveying your passion for the subject matter. And you don't need to be an extrovert to make that impression. And Angela, I remember you were actually asking some really great questions and it was clear you were just really engaged with everything people were discussing it was clear that you intended because you wanted to learn and I think that's what I guess stood out for me and like made me remember you oh that's great yeah I'm genuinely very interested everyone like there is like uh, apart from like us like the students like you like Annie and Emily like you both have already like work in the industry for quite some time already and you sort of like make your way towards like what you are now so I'm really just very interested in that process of like how you do it like I just yeah like 
laying down dots. <laughs> laying down dots. We should look back and see our dots, see how yeah. that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, Angela, you, you made a good impression of yourself when we first met, too. And I remember after the CIR Now meeting, Emily's partner mentioning you during that. And then they said, keep an eye on this person. And we did. And they were like, totally right. I was like, that's that's a good egg right there. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, at the, like at the end of each meeting, they're like, oh, who did you talk to? Who stood out to you? And then it, your name was the one that everyone kind of popped up and said. So that was you did good. I don't know what you did, but you did good. <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> so I think the second time I met you, I was a guest lecturer of your master's course. That's when your lecturer invited me there. Before she sent me a couple of your courseworks and it was your scapula illustration that stood out to me, which I really, really liked. And I thought, oh, I'll uh, I'll, t- I'll take a look at who this person is. And lo and behold, it was the Angela from the CIR Now Meet. I was like, oh, <laughs> what, a, what a nice coincidence. Oh, I really like that. So I feel like this kind of like resonates with Angela's viewpoint of studying in the same country where, where you decide to work later on. Even though you're not actively doing it, you probably don't think you are. You're, you're kind of building towards a career path, right? Mm-hmm. Professors, they have a link to groups of people in the industry within, within, that, within that country, maybe in a, in a neighboring country as well. And they can always point you in the right direction. So we always reach out to the lecturers and say, hey, who, who's, who's one of your top students or who should we look out for this year? And they always give us a couple of names. And obviously they'll say like all of our students are fantastic. I'm like, yeah, 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 but who? <laughs> and they'll be like, well, this person's pretty good. Maybe you should check them out. And then so for, for Angela's case, you, you just made a good impression at these networking events. And then we followed you through your career as you went to work for the studio down in England. And then when you reached out to us, we kind of knew it was kind of perfect. Like, yes, we needed to invite this person on board. So you kind of paved the way for your job without you knowing. So maybe we should talk more about schoolwork, uh, like like Angela was saying. Maybe we could talk more about like practical skills and w- what what's worth having and brushing up whilst you're still at school studying. Um, I feel like uh, what I'm going to talk about might slightly contradicts with what Annie always said <laughs> because uh, Annie wants everyone like in the team to be like awesome unicorns that can handle like varieties of tasks. But uh, what I'm going to say is like it is a process like you do not have to like force yourself to be all rounded and perfect in everything when you are just a newly graduated student for that I mean is that if you are interested in like 2D illustrations during your studies just focus more on them and just utilize your free time to like improve your skills and that particularly just find your niche at first because it's best to make sure that you do well in one category so you can stand out from all the uh, newly graduated job applicants. Instead mm-hmm. of knowing everything, you can only do them like averagely. For example, our colleague Susie, she can draw like portraits and also like figures like magic. And <laughs> we, just, we just always ask her for like opinions when we struggle which I always struggle. <laughs> Annie and Emily often will just like give her the task when there's like a demand for like very challenging figures because that is exactly her niche and that's what makes her very unique and irreplaceable in our team. I feel like in most of the companies, you really won't be like a lonely island just struggling and figuring out everything by yourself, but you will be cooperating with a team of really talented people. I would say just make sure that one skill of yours stand out well enough so that your potential employer will think that like you are highly potential in bringing help to the team without them like spending excessive amount of time trying to like train you on very basic concepts. 
I think you're all talented unicorns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Emily and I, we won't assume that when we first hire you that you can do everything flawlessly. That's near impossible. If that's the case, then you should probably run your own company. <laughs> you don't need us. <laughs> but we know that eventually you will. Everyone will. You'll scale up and level up. But we ourselves, we're still learning a lot of new things as we come across it. We're constantly learning and skilling and leveling up. I find myself going back to our fundamentals because there was that thing about hands and one of the projects was like, we got to draw hands now. We're bad at hands. <laughs> I'm going to make everyone draw hands for three months straight. <laughs> you know, like, you're going to hate me. <laughs> I, know, I was like, mm, maybe slightly excessive. <laughs> oh, no, no, like, as long as one person can draw really good hands, yeah. all right. <laughs> we do want you to get you to a level where, where you can do a lot of things well. And that's why for our company, we schedule in training time for our colleagues every week. We want to see you improving drastically every year so that when you look back at your past year's work, you can see quite a massive shift. Mm-hmm. And, and what you said is true. We, we do tailor everyone's training task personally. Eventually, everyone becomes an expert in one form of category of work that has an irreplaceable niche within our team. For example, for you, Angela, we saw from your portfolio that you had some potential and are, are very interested in 3D modeling and rendering. So that's why we put you in a spot to do more training in that. And we're going to support you in that. Yeah. But also adding to that, though, If you want to scale up and level up, you can't just rely on your employers to give you training time. Our company does that, but not every company prioritizes that. Sometimes you do need to spend time on evenings and weekends to learn new things. So work is is very different from school. Clients don't pay you to learn something unless there's a budget for R&D within the project. And that's very, very rare. Clients expect you to create stuff because they expect you to already know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, unfortunately, that, that's kind of like the realism that occurs when you enter the professional field. If you ever feel like you don't know something or you know that there's a project coming up but down the line that requires a specific skill, like particle systems, or you need to do a lot of figure drawing or something like that, you know it's coming up. It's worth spending some time, at least learning some knowledge, doing some practice in your spare time to get you up to a level where you're equipped with enough skills and knowledge so you're not just going into it blind. And then that's basically how Emily and I are constantly leveling up on skills, at how we're continuing to do so just to like spearhead this, this business. So that's just a little insight into our lives, right? Let's go back to how school works and very differently to how work works. In, in school, you can just power through one illustration and make it look perfect. However, in work, we can't just give you months to finish one illustration. We would love to, but the budget doesn't allow for that. So that's why when we look at portfolios of fresh graduates, we like to see that they work on different projects, not just the school assignments. Firstly, the reasons for that is that we, we've seen all of the assignments before. Everyone's got a scapula illustration. Everyone's got a femur illustration. Heck, Emily and I have a scapula and femur illustration yeah. hidden away somewhere on <laughs> our drives. You know? So we've seen it before. It's nothing new. It's nothing different. It shows us you're technically skilled, but does it show us your problem solving skills? Not really. So what we want to see is something a little bit different, being a little bit more interesting. So when we see different pieces of work that's out of the norm or just a little bit outside of your illustration assignments, it's an indication that the person utilizes their free time well and they're using it to improve their skills. And that's the type of mindset that we want to work with. I think when you go through quite a lot of portfolios and you can see that they're all school assignments, especially when the applicant has graduated quite a few years ago and there's this big gap. It's like you graduated then. I know this is your schoolwork. 
what else have you been doing? <laughs> and it, it could be a case of the applicants maybe trying to tailor it. Maybe what they've been doing isn't like completely related to medical art. So maybe they think, oh, it's not relevant, so I won't put it in. But please do. <laughs> For your portfolio, Angela, we were really delighted to see like a huge variety of different side projects and practice pieces that you were doing in your free time. And most of them were 3D work that showed that you had really started upping your skills. I think because we're really we're very familiar with the programs, what is taught and all the things that you were producing and experimenting with in 3D. It showed that you were like really looking at all these different things like camera angles and lighting and all these other things. And I think it was really good to see how much you'd progress after graduation. And I think that's the main thing that we want to see is just that motivation and determination to constantly improve yourself. And like you say, you kind of found your own little niche and it's like, oh, I really like that. I'm really interested in it. So when you are trying to do it in your spare time, it doesn't feel like it extra work. It's yeah. actually more like fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fun hobby yeah. that's actually going to have something good come out of it at the end. So would you like to share a little bit more on how you find some of the side projects that you're working on, some of your motivations and processes, things like that? I would say like uh, just back to that connecting dot ideas that I've just mentioned. It's I feel like it's very important to like participate in different events or like meeting with new people because you then will just get like unexpected opportunities like just do some work for your classmates and the other disciplines or even like for your school. When I first like turned as a freelance artist after my first job this year, and it's actually my friend who is a forensic ontology student who just introduced me to her professor. So because of that, I just got like two commissions of like medical artwork because of her connection. Because I feel like her professor was also like willing to recommend me to her students because like I had created some dental illustration for one of her master graduates when I was still studying. I would have never thought that like at some point my friend happens to just help me with like finding some commissions when we first met. Like I'm not a calculating person like that. (laughs) (laughs) Evil genius. (laughs) But like what I've just said is like a beauty of like spontaneity and for all the introverted and talented people like out there I just feel like it's really important for you to like just try to expand your social circle a bit more especially when you're still in school because it's much easier to find like new people from like the same discipline or like different but you can sort of like cooperate on something together I feel like you will just be very grateful for your decision when you look back connecting dots so um, I feel like there's nothing that you try in life is really like useless. I feel like it will like eventually just bring effects to you in the future, maybe without you even like knowing about it. What I have to say might not also like sound very conventional to some people, but uh, here it is, I'm going to spill it out, is that like academic results does not mean everything. If you graduated with flying colors, I I feel like Congratulations, like you do a really good job, but it also does not guarantee that you will get a job like right after. Mm. I feel like good grades, it's sort of like how I see like money. It's great to have like some of it and you will feel very inadequate and you find like life quite like slightly difficult if you don't have any of it. But if you have like full in your pocket, it does not guarantee you like happy ever after. It's important to keep in mind that your potential is not limited by your school performance, but also your constant effort in like improving your skills and how it is shown in your portfolio. Yeah, that's so true. We don't look at your GPA and your CVs at all. The first thing we look at is your portfolio. And if it's good, then we look at your experience. 
being able to pass the course is also a big indicator for us. It means that, you know, you can hand assignments in on time and everything, but we don't care whether or not you got an A or a C because we can tell if it's an A plus illustration or a C illustration just from the visuals. So I think that's great that you said that. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think we've ever really looked that closely at people's undergraduate degree grades either. Uh So it's kind of like you passed your master's, you're fine. Cool. Now let's look at your portfolio. I think that's kind of the main thing. So I think it's kind of if you're feeling really bad about like a grade that you just like were really unhappy with in your undergraduate, then don't worry. Focus forward. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> On the other hand, just having good grades in the master's course does open you up to some scholarship opportunities. Sure. So and internships and, and all internships, these things. And all these so, things. so yeah, yeah, it is mm-hmm. like a double-edged sword. We've talked about how to differentiate yourself with your school and work and networking tips. Let's talk about the job search because for international students with a visa, the job search can get really stressful because they have a limited amount of time they can remain in the country. Can you give us an insight into maybe some tips you have for job searching and maybe even how to combat any stress that's related to that? I sure have like something to share on that. Um, so first I have to like put out a statement that contradicts with the idea and experience my friend talked about. I'm sorry, my friends, if you are listening to this, it is just don't apply whatsoever that is on the job market just because you really want to settle here. I feel like you don't need to apply for like 100 jobs if most of them you don't even like. If you are trained to be a medical artist and you know that you would like to keep on being one for the rest of your life, like I do, just try to find a medical artist job first or just some designer's job or just jobs that you know that like your experience working there will direct you to the path of being a medical artist at some point in your life. My reasons behind is let quality be over quantity. Job seeking is not a game of probability. It is like selection of the fetus in the eye of the employers. So if you only apply for jobs that you know you have enough qualifications of, there is a higher chance that you will be considered as more capable ones among a bunch of like other applicants. If you stand out with your portfolio, it's much easier for you to get a job if you do well in interviews too. And I feel like that's why in the past section, I just put so much emphasis on like doing side projects when you're still with students because not only can you accumulate some more experience and further like brush up your skills in order to like prepare yourself for the real world quote unquote so you have like sort of like more to share in your portfolio too but you can sort of like grab a better understanding of what you are most interested in and what you're really good at like gradually after you participate in more projects. I always think that like having an objective understanding towards yourself is a very crucial thing to learn in life. It's not just about like job seeking. With that, you can sort of like achieve things easier without going in the wrong alley and sort of like learning it in a very hard way. When you're searching for jobs, like having a clear head of what is your strength and also what is your weaknesses and only apply for jobs that you feel like you can handle it brings you less like anxiety than like applying whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good point. We can see that when you applied for your job with us, it was clear that your skills that you had were highly transferable and compatible to our own company style and our way of working. And that's why we were so happy to have you on your team, regardless of the fact that I think when we initially put the job application out, it was like UK residents only. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think yeah. it was kind of, it's something that we just hadn't really considered 
having not done it before, really. <laughs> I can sort of understand because sort of like mm. a visa is like you have to sort of like realize that, oh, this person can work for a long term like here in order to invest the idea of, okay, I will make like a visa for you. So we want you to stay as long mm. as possible. Mm. We had some applicants that I feel like we're just looking for a work visa. They didn't really care about the company. They just wanted to work in the UK or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what brought in the UK residents in our job description. I think we've since taken that off now. Yeah, it's gone. I think because it was a it was a good transition for us because you'd already been on a visa with your previous employer. So we were like, oh, okay. It kind of like wasn't as daunting for us as an employer to go like, oh, actually, she's currently on a visa. We can transfer that visa. And, and you were very helpful in guiding us through the process because you yeah, had great. gone through that before in applying so you were very helpful in giving us everything (laughs) everything we could possibly need to know about it so that was really great I think that's just one of the points to mention is just kind of create your own opportunities even if it does say UK residents only maybe just apply anyway especially if you're on a visa already it might show the employer that someone else has invested in you like you you are valuable and it is actually probably a bonus if you are planning to kind of like move around different jobs within the UK or whichever other country that you're going to have a visa from. That's true. It doesn't hurt to apply. What's the worst that could happen? Yes. They just don't respond or it is a rejection. Then you move on to another place, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> and I really uh-huh. like your company. That's why I sort of like, just try. <laughs> Another thing that a lot of people have done is sometimes there are not even job opportunities really out there, but there are some people that we've kind of known about who have actually approached sometimes the university that they've worked for or other companies that are maybe more kind of like a scientific journal or something, and they don't really have an in-house medical illustrator. And they've actually gone and pitched a role to them, put together the portfolio, shown them this is why you need someone like this, Mm -hmm. and had that confidence to actually go out and ask for them to even create a role. And it's actually actually turned out fine for a couple of people that we know. So I think it's just just having that passion, like you know that you want to work in the fields, it's in your gut and you want to and you feel confident in your skills enough that you can do everything that this role that you have created or you're pitching for requires. Looking at your strengths and as you mentioned before, it's the important quality to have is also that accurate insight into the company that you're applying for. So don't just obviously go blind and uh, <laughs> start pitching at random companies for to create a role for you if it's not right fit. Do your research and just be passionate and don't limit yourself because that perfect job isn't out there yet or because they don't seem to be open for non-UK applications as well. Exactly. And if there isn't an opportunity for you, if they like you and they see like you have some value, people you apply for or inquire about work or internships, they'll signpost you to other opportunities. They'll be like, no, sorry, there's no opportunities here. But hey, this company we know that we work closely with is hiring. Go check them out. Here's their email or something, right? It's just only going to open more doors for you. But the trick is you got to be nice. You got to be polite and you've got to show that you're willing to put in the work and then people will respond really positively to that. And that's a level of self-confidence you would like to have when you're out in the real world. With that, I guess a lot of people might have this question in mind is how do I boost my confidence if I'm not a very confident person naturally? So for me, my confidence was built up similar to Angela's experience. And and that's basically equipping myself with knowledge and experience. So when I was at school, I took up as many opportunities as possible. Is there a new class? Yes, I'll take that. I sought out internship opportunities, work shadowing opportunities or field trips. You know, it's a great way to learn more about the industry as well as network with current professionals. 
So they will always still like be in touch with like, hey, they were hiring this new person. Do you know them or something like that? If there's conferences or networking events like how Angela's done, participate in them. If you can volunteer at these events, do it. That's even better because then you're in the nitty gritty. You know how these events work. You might even like talk to some speakers or something like that and just open up that door of getting yourself in with some professionals. Even though you might not realize that all these things will help you boost your confidence and the fact that you're exposing yourself to all these different environments and people will give you more knowledge of the industry and in turn will slowly help you build that confidence and networking skills. I feel like I'm definitely not a very confident person naturally. You probably can sense it like from the broadcast. But as I mentioned before, like I am like introverted and I feel like the common trait for quite some like introverted people like me is that like they like to to create a lot of panic for themselves by like sort of like overanalyzing <laughs> their own weaknesses and things we don't do well just keep on like playing in our mind it's like oh, I didn't do it well oh my god what should I do that kind of thing I still don't do it very well but like I feel like some people see it as like a flaw it feels like it is a barrier sort of like hindering themselves to be like more confident. But uh, I would like to propose you to a different approach to see it. Even I'm not really good at it. But anyways, it is just <sighs> leverage your overanalyzing personality to your own advantage. Instead of like sort of like sinking into your own negativity and just keep on like being anxious about everything, see it with positivity, evaluate your own like limitations and sort of like challenge yourself to make progressions bit by bit. Um, how I think about it now is that like ability to introspect, it is such a bliss because like being aware of your own limitations is the first step to overcome it. There's another advice I would like to give here. I know how cliche it sounds, but anyways, uh, it's that no one is all around perfect. There's no point of like exaggerating your own limitations and beating yourself up with all those like negativity. As I've mentioned before, like no one will expect you to be highly capable and experienced in handling like various tasks when you're just newly graduated. Because like as Annie also like mentioned, is that like school is a very different environment than the workplace. So there's a lot of things one has to learn and sort of like relearn too, like being in the real world. All you need to know is you need to have like a constant motivation to strive for improvements and also progressions. Getting more skillful and also like highly competent in one jobs, it needs a lot of like not just effort, but also like it needs a lot of time and also probably a lot of failures too. So if your potential employer can see your potential and as well as your diligence in like contributing to a company and also the industry, it's highly likely that they're willing to provide you all the time and also the support you need to become an experienced worker. Just like in our company, it will be the like the training time. I really like what you said about not just beating yourself down all the time because I think it's so, it's such an easy thing to do mm -hmm. and just like the ability to actually recognize weaknesses and then using that to actually push yourself forward is so much more beneficial than just constantly getting into the negative thought cycle and keep thinking like, oh, 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 because then it will eventually have an effect on like your overall kind of self-esteem. And when you are going for things like job interviews or things like that, if you have just had this negative self-talk for like a year going round and round in your head and you're not going like, right, look, I can do this. I can do this. I used to. And you're trying to develop your skills and you can go like, right, I started here and now I'm here. This is good. There is progress. I'm not a master at it. Probably will never be a master, but just like stepping back and looking at your progress is also a really good thing to keep doing as you're trying to get yourself into your ideal job role. 
And as a company, we do receive a good amount of applications for people to work with us from time to time. And sometimes we wouldn't believe how much we can see just from someone's portfolio. And we often put out a mock assignment as well, just to get an idea of how they do things that are sometimes missing, such as like good layout design or graphic design, things like that. And this gives us an opportunity to evaluate their work, but also have a look at their kind of attitude towards work and their personality, kind of like how they conduct their research. Because we'll sometimes ask for like research notes, like, oh, how did you do your research? What did you look at? Just to kind of get a really good idea of like what their kind of working progress. And I think sometimes people will have on their application that they're really like attention to detail. I think I've talked about this before. They've had like a really like good eye for detail and stuff. And you can just tell sometimes from looking at the portfolio that there's a disconnect between what they're saying about themselves yeah. and what their work's saying about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when we're looking for people, it's always just looking for people who have capability to fulfill all the requirements we need for people following the way that we work as a company. And I think all these different like world experiences, and if you do go into other jobs, like you said, Angela, you could go and get a job in design or other kind of related fields. These are all just like extra little bits that will add to your portfolio portfolio but your skills as well and it's just really good to just keep just keep working don't get disheartened don't tell yourself that you're terrible and give up but then still apply and assume you're going to get jobs even though you've already told yourself you're not going to get them build yourself up and pump yourself up enough that you feel like you deserve to get the roles that you're applying for as well But also with that comes attitude and personality. Attitude and personality is a big important thing. We wanted people who are able to work within quite a small scale studio like us. So we're quite a tight knit team. So we need to basically be very friendly with one another and patient. If if someone's learning, we can't have a a big ego bulldozing over everyone (laughs) saying, I don't need to do this because I'm too good. It does happen sometimes, mostly in the creative industry and maybe in other parts of the industry. Of course, there's another part where it doesn't mean you can charm your way through an interview process. You might be a really great talker. Maybe you're a great salesperson (laughs) in that sense without having any work in your portfolio to back up that idea of you being able to handle these very difficult tasks. We're more than willing to train a fresh graduate who doesn't have that much experience, but who are just willing to listen and learn and can communicate well and have that drive. But we probably won't open a door to someone if we feel like they might not get along well with the team. It ties nicely back to what you were saying, Angela, about doing your research about the country that you're going to go and work in. Kind of like look like you know that maybe if you went into a company and you approached it as if you were working in Hong Kong, there would maybe be a lot of, or even going for an interview, if you approached it in that way, there would maybe be a complete cultural barrier that might come across to us as like, oh, actually, we're British stereotype of being very overly polite and like, (laughs) whereas like other parts of the world treat work very differently and it can be a Bit more direct and some places very like cutthroat and things like that just to bring back that tip of what you said just like be mindful of like where you're applying really get into the culture understand i know that you're really into british comedy as well oh, yeah. <laughs> like get into the right mindset and kind of work out the best ways to communicate with people because there is a big variety between different countries around the world i think on how yeah, people do communicate mm-hmm. so funny you say look at the culture workplace culture is also an important thing so there might be multiple studios in the one country that you're wanting to work for but with each studio it's a different workplace culture so our workplace culture it's all about we expect our team to create training tutorials for one another we expect each other to help each other out you write
writing this podcast today, that's like kind of like one of the things that we want to encourage all of our artists to do because they have something that's worth sharing, you know, all these experiences. If you're applying and you don't really want to do stuff like that, then this workplace culture might not be a good fit for you. You know, if you just want to just create beautiful stuff. I mean, we also want to create beautiful stuff. It's also <laughs> that level of learning and teaching is very, very important within this company. So we, we want to find people that align really well with that. Some people might also have a very, I guess, competitive personality as well. And maybe like with our studio, we don't really have senior or junior roles or things like that. And like that might not float people's boat well <laughs> to feel like we yeah. like everyone kind of being, everyone's got their own expertise and we like to have that collaboration. Whereas some people might be like, I don't deserve to come in as a junior. I should be a senior. I should be managing these people. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? I think it's just researching where you're applying for. It may be the only job going in the industry that you want, but like really have a look at what their work culture is like as well. And is that a fit for you? Will you come in and feel you're not fitting in and will that make you therefore not really want to work there? And will you probably leave the job quite soon down the line? I think it's just everyone wants a job, obviously, but also take note of the actual company as well. Because if you're not enjoying your time there, that's going to be a detriment to your mental health. You're not going to enjoy working there. You're going to be looking for a way out immediately. That, that is a time waste for you if you're looking for your perfect career path you can be spending time looking to apply for another studio or another company to work with as a side hustle rather than working in this job where you're struggling and you don't really want to be there so what have we covered and what are the main takeaways for our listener annie Take it away. <laughs> Let's summarize some actionable steps. Number one, being a student in a country where you would like to work in is a good start. With that, you can overcome any cultural barriers, learn about the local culture, work etiquettes before you start your career. Number two, language is a tool of communication, but you don't need to be extremely eloquent or grammatically perfect when you're sharing your ideas. As long as your teammates and friends understand what you're getting at, and you'll be fine. Number three is participate in activities and get into communities to expand your social circles. Really unexpected opportunities may emerge. Number four is learn about your strengths and weaknesses by working on side projects and cooperating with others. By that, you can grasp a better understanding of what you're most interested in and really what you're really good at. Number five is position yourself and finding your niche is the most important thing to do before you start your career. You don't have to force yourself to be an all-rounder and perfect in everything when you newly graduated. Number six, you don't have to be perfect unicorns when you graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Number six is don't get fixated on the idea of getting good results at school. Your potential is not limited by your school performance or grades, but it's measured by your constant effort and improving your skills and how it's shown in your portfolio. Number seven, objectively know what you're good at and only apply for jobs that you know what you're qualified for. It will bring you less anxiety and boost your confidence for when you land that interview. Number eight is don't get beaten up so easily by your negative inner voice. Tell it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a tendency of overanalyzing, leverage it to your advantage. Be aware of your own limitations. Look inside of yourself. And that is the first step to overcome it. And number nine, lastly, attitude and personality is sometimes more important than the ability to work. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's important as well. But it's important to be a good team player. Be nice, be friendly, be courteous, be willing to learn. 
And I think that's enough for people to get started. Angela, do you feel like you have anything else to add? Thank you, Annie. That's such a good summary. Um, so here I would like to share the reason of why I suggest to Annie and also Emily of like today's topic in the first place. Because I feel like the situation in my hometown has been quite difficult for the past like one and a half year. And there are like more and more people are thinking of working abroad and also like starting a life like new, just somewhere else, like including including most of it, it will be like the UK will be probably on the priority list, I feel. And I know that like, it is not an easy decision and also like a goal to achieve as because I've also been through this. But I always believe that if you have your goal in mind, and you tried really hard towards it, you can always get what you wanted. The path can be quite convoluted and complicated, but just don't panic because you might see opportunity from the most unexpected place. So just for everyone who's listening to this, who are thinking about working abroad, I just hope for the best for you. Yeah, definitely. That's really nice. Thank you, Angela. And, and thank you, Emily. And thanks everyone for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message. If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where we share more tips, tricks and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry.